1: But in our lives, the promises that we've made to the Lord, the stands that we've taken for the Lord all through the years as God has moved in our hearts in different ways. I don't know about you, but I know for me through my life, you know, God has moved in some powerful ways at different times. I've made commitments through my life. And I read through this and I think, well, you know, how many times have I, you know, made statements or, or made stands to the Lord? And where was I? What, what happened with that? Where are they right now? Have they really increased in my life? Or does that that no longer means a whole lot to me anymore? And, you know, I'm dealing with today.
0: Those who have been a believer in Christ for a decent amount of time are probably well aware of the ups and downs of faith. For many of us, we typically start off with a strong and fiery passion, only to find ourselves in a stagnant season. In today's message, Pastor Dave encourages us to reflect on our commitment to the Lord and where we currently stand. If you found yourself less passionate than when you first believed, this message will encourage you to take heart in God's faithfulness. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, The End of an Era.
1: it says there, verse 11, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, the pagan gods. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed the other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord, and they served Baal and the Ashraths. When you transgress... I think Joshua knew the heart of the people. He says, when this happens, God's judgment is going to come. God's judgment is going to be right. God brought these nations of the Gentiles against them until eventually the children of Israel then turned back to the Lord. So they turned away from the Lord. God brought the nations of the Gentiles against them. Now they turned to the Lord, and the book of Judges is full of this cyclical history, cyclical, cyclical, this history that goes in a circle, okay? That again, we, we show, see the whole thing. Uh, man's disobedience, God's chastisement, man's confession and repentance, God's deliverance and blessing, then back to man's disobedience again, until again, God brings punishment on him. It's interesting through this. Why didn't God just say, I'm done with you, I'm done with you, and go to another nation? Because of the faithfulness of God. Because of the faithfulness of God. God's people will receive the blessings of God, and then pretty soon we say, hey, you know what, I got it from here. Stay with me, God, but I've got it from here. And then pretty soon we're so far from God that we fall into sin, God brings correction, and then we're crying out, oh God, where have you gone? And God says, I've not gone anywhere, but you've wandered all over the map. Now you're coming back to me. And so he brings, again, forgiveness, restoration, and again restores, brings blessing. And we run for a while, and okay, God, I've got it here. I'm I'm doing good. And the cycle of man continues on. Now, Now, as we get into chapter 24 real quick, there seems to be some uncertainty about as to whether this was the, the same time frame as the speech in chapter 23 or if it happened sometime after that. For me, I, I think it all kind of fits together. Again, we here in chapter 24, though, we find some particular details, not only of who he's speaking to, but of where he's speaking. Look in verse 1 of chapter 24. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for the heads and for their judges, for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. Now, Shechem seems to be a pretty natural place for this conversation to, to take place. And, and it's also a good place for Israel to make a commitment to the Lord. Back in Genesis 12, this was the very place that God had promised Abraham that, that he would give all of this land to his descendants. Later on in Genesis chapter 33, Jacob, after he had met with his brother Esau, and, he, and Esau didn't kill him, uh, he blessed the Lord and he built an altar. Altar to the Lord there in Shechem. And then from that point, too, is when the children of Israel had reaffirmed their commitment to the Lord under Joshua's leadership. Remember, earlier on in the book of Joshua, they had them, some get on Mount uh, Ebal and the other half on Mount Gerizim, and Shechem was right in the middle there. God has used this place multiple times to make uh, make it a place of commitment. It was an important place and an important part of Israel's history. And so as Joshua gathers these leaders together, he gives them a bit of a history lesson. And we all need to have these times of remembrances, re- remembrance of, again, God's blessing, God's forgiveness, even in the midst of our failures. Uh, some people say, well, you know, I don't want to remember my failures. I, I just put those behind me and I keep on." No, I think we need to remember them. I think it's a healthy thing to remember. Well, I remember where I really got off track, and I just totally blew it, and I, I got myself in such a mess back then. I don't ever want to go that way again. You know, it, it's kind of like, you know, if you walk one way and you know there's a big hole there, you don't walk that way again, Right. You steer clear of that. So, hey, but at the same time, we don't we don't commiserate about the fact that, oh, man, 30 years ago I fell, I was such a mess. No, no, 30 years ago you fell, God restored you, then move on. But remember how and why you fell, okay, and move forward with that. Look at what he says here in verse 2. Joshua said to all the peoples, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, they dwelt on the other side of the river in in old times. They served other gods. In other words, what he's saying is you know, you, they used to be pagans. <laughs> they served pagan gods. They lived pagan ways. And then in verse 3, he says, But then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, and I led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, to to Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children, they went down to Egypt. And also I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them, and afterwards I brought you out. And then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And so they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea upon them, and he covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And then you dwelt in the wilderness for a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, but, but I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. He says, and don't forget about Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab. He arose to make war against Israel, and he sent and he called Balaam, the son of Beor to curse you. But God says, but I, w- I wouldn't listen to Balaam. Therefore, he continued to bless you. And that, that's one of the most humorous stories, I think, in, in the Old Testament. This guy that comes and he tries to curse Israel, tries to curse Israel, tries to curse Israel. But he keeps blessing them, keeps blessing them, bless them. Drives Balak crazy, you know, that he won't, won't curse them. God says, I delivered you out of his hand. Verse 11, he says, then, then you went over the Jordan, and you came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you. Now, it wasn't a real and true hornet. He says, In essence, I, I went before you, and I, I attacked the enemy. I sent the hornet before you, drove them out before you also those two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword, not with your bow. I've given you a land for which you did not labor, cities that you didn't build. And now you're dwelling in them, and you eat of the vineyards and the olive groves, which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Maybe you've had a really crummy year, okay? Maybe your year, maybe this has been the most difficult year of your entire life. But you know what? You still have somewhat to praise God about. You still have life. You still have breath. You have the ability to even be here tonight. My brother, who is totally disabled, and his wife, who had had a stroke, and he's a caretaker for her. She's totally bedridden. You know, he just kind of blows me away with his attitude sometimes because he talks about man, isn't God good? Isn't God great. I'm thinking, wow. I wish, I hope that I would have that kind of a heart if I was in that kind of a situation. The worst of years that you and I could have. We still have reason to give thanks to the Lord. What do you have, really, to thank the Lord about? We ought to be a people who are thankful. Thankful. What does that mean, full of thanks? We ought to be that kind of people. Joshua reminded them of all the ways that God had led, that he had protected, that he had provided for them. And then he makes this very simple, a very straightforward challenge to the leaders of the people. Look in verse 15. He says, If it seems evil for you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve. Rather the gods which uh, our, our fathers served, which were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This was part of our wedding vows years ago, 43 years ago. So, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. The people responded to him, verse 16. People answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight, preserved us in all the ways that we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwell in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. And we think, right on, guys. Good choice. And... I wish I was more faithful to my declaration than when I said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But in all these 43 years, I haven't been as faithful as I wished I would, could have been. Definitely wasn't as faithful as I could have been. It says, we'll, we'll do it. They confirmed really all that Joshua had, had proclaimed to him. There, were, there was no argument. There was no confusion. There was no ignorance. Ignorance was not so much of the problem, but obedience and faithfulness seems to always be the problem. Just for us today, ignorance of the word isn't our problem. Obedience is. So Joshua gave him some further clarification. He says, Joshua said to the people, verse 19, he says, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. What do you mean I can't serve the Lord? You just told me I could. But listen to what all he says. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Now, wait a minute. I thought God was a God of forgiveness, that he does forgive. Put it all together in the context of what he's saying here. He says, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and he will do you harm and he will consume you after he has done you good. He has blessed you in so many ways, and if you turn from him, he will bring judgment upon you. And the people said to Joshua, no, 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 we will serve the Lord. And so Joshua said to the people, verse 22, you are witnesses, not for yourselves, but you are witnesses against yourselves, that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, yes, we are witnesses. Now therefore he said, put away the gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Stop right here and look at this little phrase right here. They're saying, no, 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 we will, we will serve the Lord. We want to serve the Lord in our lives. And then what does Joshua tell them in 23? Does he tell them then don't take any of those idols? Don't, don't follow any of those foreign gods? He says, no, put away the foreign gods, which are right now among you. Right now they were among, and they're standing there saying, oh, we'll follow him, we'll follow him, we'll be faithful. And already among them they had the foreign gods. It's an interesting concept when you think about it. It's also interesting when you bring it right now today to where we're at, to where you're at, where you and I are at today. Oh, yeah, I want to serve the Lord. Really? Really? What else do you have in your heart? What else do you have in your mind? Are there some things in your life that you need to get rid of in order that you can be faithful to what you said that you'll do? You said you'll follow the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you really? Are you saying, well, with you know, 75%, the major portion, I'll follow him. No, God won't allow that. They had to put away the foreign gods. How can you put them away unless you already have them? Looks to me like it's an issue that they had to deal with. I believe it's also an issue that the church has to deal with today. Verse 24. People said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and he set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to us, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance." It came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. I I think about things like this. uh, That stone, let this stone be a memorial to us. Whatever happened to that stone? Whatever happened to some of the other memorials that they had placed there? Did they ever get to the point where they just weren't, I I don't know, maybe maybe enemies of Israel destroyed them, and that, that could very well be. But I also wonder, too, could some of these memorials, some of these altars that they built to the Lord, could they have just got to a point of not as important to Israel anymore? And so they come into disrepair and finally just, they don't even know where, I don't even remember where we put the thing. You know, it's been so long since we've looked at it or thought about it. How about in our lives the promises that we've made to the Lord, the stands that we've taken for the Lord all through the years as God has moved in our hearts in different ways. I don't know about you, but I know for me through my life, you know, God has moved in some powerful ways at different times. I've made commitments through my life. And I read through this and I think, well, you know, how many times have I, you know, made statements or, or made stands to the Lord? And where was I? What, what happened with that? Where are they right now? Have they really increased in my life or does that, that no longer means a whole lot to me anymore? And, you know, I'm dealing with today. I I look at the Old Testament and, and the New Testament says that these things in the Old Testament, that they were written as an example or for an example for us. And when I start looking at these things and I start reading about the memorials and the altars and and the different things that they make, and then I look in the book of Judges and I see how quick they are um, uh, to, to no longer follow the Lord, and the generation doesn't even know the Lord, they don't know what the Lord has done. I think, you know, how important are the things that God has done in our lives? And shouldn't we, on a continual basis, think back and say, wow. I remember when God moved in my life. Man, when I was um, 17 years old, he called me to himself. And I remember when I was 19 years old, he called me into, man, some kind of ministry. I didn't know what it was. It was about the same time that he led me to the gal that would be my wife. And all, man, start thinking about and pondering and just rehearsing over the past of what God has done in our lives. I think we would become a more thankful people. It's easy to go back and remember the hard times, the bad times. But how about purposefully remembering those times of blessings, those times of provisions, those times that we know, man, God had my back. He had my front. He had my side. He was my strong guard all around me, that we might be a thankful people. Joshua died 110 years old. I think he died satisfied, (laughs) I think he died satisfied in the Lord, knowing, yeah, there's still a lot of work yet to be done. But you know what? I've run the race. I've finished my course. There's laid up for me yet this crown of glory, just like Paul. I think Joshua was looking for that time when he's going to step in the Lord's presence and the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Are you looking forward to that time? Whether your time be, like my mom's at 85 or maybe... Are you much younger than that or much older than that? Are you looking forward to that time? It says that they buried him within the border of his inheritance in Timnath-Sherah, which is in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. Verse 31, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. You see there the difference between what we read in Judges. When all these guys died, that memory wasn't there. Somehow, it did not get transferred over. Verse 32. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem in the plot of ground, which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver, which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died. Uh, They buried him in a hill belonging to Phinehas, his son, which was given to him in the mountains of Ephraim. We know that's not the end of the story for Israel. I look at Israel today. And, and I look at all the situation of the world today. Uh, you can't help but uh, hear and know about all the terrorism that's going on. You can't help but know that, uh, man, there's this continued press against Israel. Things continue to be heating up over in the Middle East. I'm not afraid to go to Israel, not at all, because I figure, hey, if the Lord's going to take me. I think Israel is a little bit closer to heaven. I don't know. I, don't know. Uh, I just believe that God has a plan. God knows the number of our days and uh whether I die on the streets of uh, Casa Grande or the streets of Tel Aviv or Jerusalem I'm the Lord's and I'm not going to worry about those things but I look at Israel and I think such a heritage such a great word even as I was studying on this I was reading some Jewish sites that you know also do Bible studies you know Old Testament Bible studies and they they themselves talk about you know how they messed up and how they missed, and how the promises had been there, and how quick they fell from the promises of God. It's it's not hidden from them, but neither is it hidden from you and I. The commitments and the stands that we've taken for Christ in our lives, and the areas that we've failed the Lord, and yet He's come and He's restored us and brought us back again. And The faithfulness of the Lord is just absolutely amazing. The hope that I have... The fact that he still has a place for Israel After all the knucklehead things that they've done in life Then there is hope for me Amen, amen And for each one of us, open our
0: us from by the open word. Most of us have heard the story of the walls of Jericho falling down We remember this story from Sunday school This is just one of many events David will be bringing fresh insights to as we study the book of Joshua together. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need.
1: Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the teachings page.
0: Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. more and more like You as we die to You